Painted Arrow Podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. Howdy and welcome to another episode of the Painted Arrow Podcast. It is November 21st and I'm here with Devin Cole today and um, he and I have both had a kind of a lot of things have happened since the last time we've had a podcast I think. yeah that's that's to say the least <laughs> <laughs> we uh you know on and off the playing field i guess we could say but um i guess i don't know if you want to go first devin and kind of do uh an update for us or if you want me to go first what do you think you can go first i can go first okay yeah so um, the last podcast we did, we did a rut update for um, kind of the middle, beginning of November, and I had a really, really good encounter on November 7th, mm-hmm. and we we talked about this hunt, Devin, but I don't think I gave you the full detail of it. Um, that specific night when I went out to go hunting, I, I, I didn't see any mature bucks for quite a while for that whole first week I didn't see a shooter and I was getting mm-hmm. kind of uh kind of discouraged really and um I ended up going to a stand where I could see a really long way basically I could see the whole bottom of the property and I you know there's there's killing sites and there's deer viewing sites and that's kind of more what I was going for is like a deer viewing site I would want to be in for a you know to see deer see movement and kind of make a an educated you know, sit for the the following morning. That's kind of what my thought process was. And when I sat in this stand, I had, I had deer, I mean, in an open CRP field right in front of me. I mean, there was really no reason why deer would be there. You know what I mean? Just, just crossing through, but there's nothing really there to hold them. Um, but on November 7th at like 4:45, in the neighbor's field right behind me, I had a doe come out and, uh, the only reason I saw that doe is because I heard it blow. So I turn around mm-hmm. and look at this doe. And all of a sudden a coyote walks out behind this doe. And this doe's kind of jogging through the field with her tail up and everything. Big coyote. I mean, <laughs> it was a really Big impressive dog. coyote, yeah. And and all of a sudden this coyote takes off. And then this big buck, big eight-point buck comes running out. And um, he's probably 90 yards in, in the neighbor's field and away from me. And I, I take my grunt tube and I, you know, give him a, you know, just to kind of let him know that there's a deer over here and just, you know, a good, brat. and he, uh, he did one of those things where he like lifted his head and kind of turned his ears, but he didn't, he didn't look at me. He didn't look my way and just like, let me know that like I heard it, but I'm not that interested. Ends up taking off after this doe. And the doe and he disappear into the timber. And I'm like, man, really like trying to figure out what, what I can do to make something happen. So I end up grabbing my rattle bag and I do a, just a real light rattle sequence. And 15 minutes or so go by and, you know, nothing happened. And I'm hunting, you know, I'm looking back onto my property now. And uh, I kind of just peek over my right shoulder one more time about 20 minutes later and there's a big, big buck. I looking back, I think it wouldn't. I think it was a different buck. 
than the first one that I had saw behind that coyote. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, his his body language, he was completely locked in. I mean, I mean, his head wasn't like bobbing up and down. He was like staring and coming in fast, like a like a straight dead walk, just a consistent walk with his head straight up, looking straight ahead of him, like on a mission right to the corner of my property. And I'm like, I had all the time in the world. I mean, I was up, I was standing, I had my, you know, my rangefinder in my right hand. And I knew that the trail that was in the corner of the field, I knew it was at, you know, about 35 yards or so. And he's just coming right in. And I'm just like, oh. like I had so much time to process what was happening. I almost looking back, like I wish it wouldn't have been like that. But um, I'm just, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is like a really mature eight point, like a really nice eight point. Mm-hmm. And uh three and a half year old deer, I could tell the three and a half year old deer, he was grunting, just a real low grunt. And this deer comes in on that 35 yard trail and he was right, I mean, right on the property line. So like my back was touching the property line, you know, I'm looking into my field, you know, the owner, the next door no, owner is to my back. And this deer is like right, just right on the property line and there's trees and stuff. So I couldn't shoot. And he comes right down. As soon as he starts moving, I I drew back. And this has haunted me for quite a while, but he came right down the trail at 28 yards. And I had my 25 yard pin basically held. That's kind of where I dialed my scope to 25 yards. And I shot and I just it sounded good. It reacted good. Like that he kicked, he kind of did like a little meal kick and, um, he ended up running off to 60 yards and just kind of walked away. And I was glassing him for a long time and I didn't see any entry wound, didn't see any exit wound. I thought I might've saw like a, something hanging from his stomach, but looking back, like I have no idea if, if it was a gut or something like that. It could have been anything, but what was so crazy about this hunt is that this buck, what I thought was a much, by far the most mature buck in the area. Cause I had been seeing all the frequent flyers, you know, this buck went into the middle of my property and came back out with a doe. And this doe is coming right at me, coming head on at me. And the doe comes right at me and I get another opportunity at this deer. And it's that one, it's a, it's a like, I don't know, in terms of light, the light is dwindling and toward the point where I, I either need to make another shot or, you know, I, I had to make a call. Like, am I going to, am I going to see if they come closer or am I going to take a shot right now? Cause I got like five minutes of light left and they're either going to pivot and go this way. I could tell there's, there's two different options. And so I drew back broadside shot at 45 yards and I completely missed. And I never saw that deer the rest of the night, but if you remember, Devin, I saw that buck the very next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw him in the field eating that next night. And so he's alive. He was with does, wasn't he? Yeah, he was chasing around does. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm going to post this video because I, it's a great video. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it really sucks to have those those missed opportunities where you, you prepare all year and something like a, like a chip shot. I mean, like a five-foot putt to win for birdie. You know what I mean? It just – Yeah. 
It really hurts. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's uh, but I mean that's bow hunting. But I, I know exactly what you mean because we prepare for this, and he was right there, and I'm sure. I mean, we'll get to it. But I've, you know, I I had a a really close call. It's enough to keep you up at night as well. So, um, I know I know the feeling. Why don't you share that right now? Because I'm looking at the picture of this deer. I think it's pretty fitting. Yeah. So I guess before I jump into that, um, since, since our last rut update, um, which, what, what was the day that we did the last rut update? You I, remember specifically? I couldn't tell you. Okay. I know it was at the beginning of November, but anyway, um, had some time off, um, was hunting uh, a friend of mine's farm on, uh, November 9th. And, um, I guess this is the super abbreviated version, but we got out there relatively early. Um, I was sitting on the edge of a wood lot with, uh, pushed up against some CRP and my buddy was kind of sitting like a hundred and some, probably 150 yards away from me on the other side of the wood lot and the different stand. And we had a decent wind and we got in, he did a little rattling and I followed it up with some grunt calls. And, um, basically out of the CRP, uh, a buck stood up. He was a, you know, a decent eight point. Um, and, you know, walked right in, gave me a beautiful broadside shot right in front of me and, uh, I hammered him. And so that was kind of my first, my first, uh, buck for the season. Um, definitely not, you know, a giant buck by any means, but we were getting into November, you know, I've, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but I've got a, had a son on the way and, um, you know, wasn't sure how much hunting time I had left. And, um, just, you know, I, I always judge it based on when, when the deer's coming in, if it's something I'm excited to shoot, then I, you know, in that moment, if, if, if it passes that initial judgment call and it's something I'm excited about shooting, that's it. You know what I mean? I don't, especially, um, you know, kind of where I'm at now as a, as a hunter, I just, that's, that's what I use my judgment call. If I'm excited about shooting it, I shoot it. And, uh, he's a, you know, like I said, a decent eight point, um, he's in the freezer now and, uh, was really excited about that. Um. And that was kind of my last, uh, real, you know, well, actually I, I take that back. So that was at my buddy's, like I said, my buddy's farm. And then on the 13th of November, which I had an unbelievable hunt last year on the 13th of November. And this year on the 13th of November, it was a Saturday. Um, I was sitting in the Crickwoods on, on my new piece of property. Um, and basically got in really, really early. There was this spot that I kind of thought that I was going to bump some, uh, some deer on the way in. It was actually a set that Nate and I hung, um, later this summer, literally on my new piece, kind of the butts up to my parents. And, um, I got in really, really, really early. Um, and right at daybreak, I had two little, you know, yearling does that kind of fed all the way into like four yards and they're milling around at the base of my tree. And I was sitting on the downwind side of this thicket and, um, you know, a thicket that I would believe that does are bedding in for this time of year, especially on November 19th. So, or sorry, November 13th. And, um, these does, you know, right at the base of my ladder kind of got me pinned down and, uh, probably a, you know, a decent three and a half year old. Um, he was kind of weird. He had like a, like a normal eight point rack on one side, but then he just had like a tall, weird, uh, kind of decent mass fork on his right side. And he was working the edge of this thicket and he was, you know, he was a decent enough deer that I, probably would have tried to call to him and see if I could have got a shot off on him. Uh, but these deer were, you know, pinning me down right at four yards and I couldn't, I couldn't move. So he kind of walked away. And again, that was at first light. And then the, the deer at the base of my tree fed off. 
and then a good amount of time goes by um, and just, you know, not seeing a ton, but, you know, understanding where we're at in November and, you know, all hell can break loose at any point. And, uh, and quite literally, that's what happened. I was sitting there and I, I just heard a real deep grunt and I look up and um, there's a doe sprinting through this woodlot just directly at my tree, uh, right on the downwind side of this thicket. And obviously I'd heard the grunt, so I knew what, what to expect. And I look up and this really big buck that I had deemed uh, splitter during the summer, I'd been watching him in the neighbor's bean field and I hadn't, I hadn't seen him on the hoof all season. I had one, two rounds of pictures of him but hadn't hadn't had an encounter with him and I look up and he was he wasn't even chasing her he was running directly beside her like he was trying to cut her off and they were like he was running right ne right next to her and they came running right at my tree ran by me at four yards and they they were coming at me from the upwind side so perfect right um they passed my tree and now they're standing at the downwind side and it, had they just kept going past me, they would have crossed a road. So like, I, I knew they were going to kind of stop before they, they hit the road and they stopped and the doe immediately catches my scent. And she, you know, can't figure out what I'm, what I am, where I'm at, what I'm doing. Um, but she just kind of starts to slowly walk away towards this thicket. Like she just wants to disappear in this thicket. She's not sure what's going on, but she does. She doesn't like something that she smells. And at this point, you know, I've stood up, I'm spun around and I'm at full draw on splitter. Who's basically watching her do this whole thing. And I know based on how they ran in, how this is going to go. And he's standing behind this wad of like, it's like a couple little saplings and I cannot, I can't shoot him where he's at. If he would take one step, I could, you know, hammer him. But again, like I said, the way that they came in, I know exactly how this is going to go. You know, she's going to keep walking away. And when he's ready to go, he's going to start sprinting after her. And that's exactly what happened. She got far enough away and he started running and I was hollering at him, hooting and hollering at him, trying to get him to slow down. Um, and he just, you know, he just didn't, didn't slow down. And so I was, uh, I was kind of, you know, bummed cause that was my first encounter with him. Really, really good buck. Um, I, I don't know, you know, score wise, but he'd, he'd probably score somewhere in the mid one thirties, maybe low one forties. Uh, type deer just so, uh, good mass awesome buck um and sorry to cut you off what were you saying i would just want to know when that doe could you could tell that that doe was winning you was was splitter at a position where he wasn't getting your win and was reading no, the body was, language of the doe he was completely downwind to me as well but he was just solely focused on her like he didn't seem had he been alone i mean he's a mature deer had he been alone i think he would have been focused on it but the way that he ran in, um, you know, he was focused on staying with that doe. And she she was catching my wind, and he was watching her, and he was going to go wherever she went, but he was not focused on my wind. He was downwind, and by all, you know, for all for all intents and purposes, he absolutely should have gotten my wind. But he was, wasn't real focused on it. He was going to go wherever the doe was going. And she was, you know, it wasn't like she busted me and blew at me, but she, she got downwind, smelled something she didn't like, and just kind of, did that thing where their, their tail kind of goes up and then back down and then up and back down and just kind of slowly waddles and walks away. Um, and that's what she did until she just kind of disappeared right into the edge of this thicket, probably 60 yards away from me. And he was standing at 35. And again, I was at full draw, but just couldn't shoot him because he was behind too much junk. And like I said, if he would have given me one step, I could have, could have pummeled him. But as soon as she got far enough away that he didn't like it, he started sprinting after her. And so I'm sitting there and, 
you know, kind of kicking my, not kicking myself, but obviously doing the typical thing where you're, you're overanalyzing what just happened. What could I have done differently? How could I have gotten shot off? I mean, it's, it's your typical rut action where it, it can get crazy and there's just, there's no stopping the deer in certain cases. So they disappear into the thicket and I'm sitting there and I, I think I called you, I called uh, my buddy Ryan, who was hunting on the other side of the property. And I'm like, you know, telling them this, this encounter I had. And, and literally, I think I was on the phone with Ryan. No, I was on the phone with you. Um, another eight point steps out and he jumps on the, on the trail of that hot doe and walks right to my tree at four yards. Could have killed him. Um, he, earlier in the season, um, or before I had just seen Splitter, I might have even entertained killing this eight point. But um, after just seeing Splitter and having him be, you know, for all I know, just inside the thicket, sixty yards away, I was not about to shoot this eight point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he walked right by at four yards. Uh, then I had a six point come out, hit the same trail, walked right in, could have killed him. Um, and then um, and then I had something pretty crazy happen. So again, those three bucks. Um, splitter that eight point and the six point all you know they they all read the same script they all walked right in on the on the doe's trail and walked right to my tree because she had ran right by my tree and then um, I'm on the phone with Ryan again who's on the other side of the property and explained to him this this encounter I'm having right now and that there's just there's bucks running everywhere and I I'm, I look up and I'm kind of glassing farther away um, where the original where the doe originally came from and all I see is a giant deer butt. And so I'm on the phone with Ryan and, I, and I'm glassing. And I mean, I see half, I only see half this deer's rack. And, and my answer, you know, my, my, uh, my response to Ryan was, dude, I got to go. There's, there's another mega. And I hung up on him and easily the biggest deer. And I mean, Nate knows my hunting career and knows the deer that I've, had opportunities at and unharvested so he can attest to this easily the biggest deer i've ever had at this point on camera or ever had an opportunity at is 80 yards away from me and i mean he's just a hammer and i (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he's a hammer dude i i don't I guess we should probably qualify it a little bit. And I think it'd be, we might even post a picture of it. It'll kind of just depend on how this season wraps up. But um, he's just a really, really heavy deer. Um, uncommon for the Crick Woods, at least with the deer I've killed out here. He's really wide. Like a lot of these deer out here get really heavy, but they go up and they get good time length. But they always stay at or just outside their ears. This deer, I don't, Nate, I guess I'll let you be the judge or, you know, help me with the estimate, but he's really wide and really heavy. Um, he's got probably 11 inch brow tines. And so if you picture a big mainframe eight, that's really wide, really heavy. He's got 11 inch brow tines, but his G2 on his left side is split and forked. So it's really, really cool. Just an unbelievable buck of a caliber that I just wouldn't have expected to have an opportunity at. And so again, I'm on the phone with Ryan. I see this deer. And I just hang up on him and I'm like, okay, I just watched three bucks walk right to my tree on that doe's scent. <laughs> For all I know, this buck's going to do that same thing. And so I, I, tr- I immediately put out of my mind how big this deer is. And I just, I, I, I turn into pure execution mode and uh, I stand up and I, I let out two really low, like guttural grunts. And 
he's kind of behind some trees, but I can see his half his rack, like big swoosh, like turn. And he just stares in my direction. And then he puts his nose down and he kind of skirts me. He doesn't walk right at me, but he's kind of coming on a diagonal towards the thicket where splitter and that hot doe just went. And so my thought is, shoot, he's going to get in the thicket. He's going to get her sent in there and he's never going to come out. Well, he basically walked inside that thicket and used that cover to, to close a bunch of distance from where he was to where I was. And then he pops back out of this thicket and he is walking to my tree stand on a string. And at this point, like I should have been hyperventilating, but again, like I do this thing whenever I have an opportunity at a big deer um, where I identify it's a good buck. I identify I want to kill it, but I don't, I don't overanalyze or look at the rack because I don't want to psych myself out. So I say that because if you would have like frozen time in that moment, and I think I said this about the buck I killed last year too, but if you would have frozen the time in that moment and you, you know, just said, Devin, how, how big is this deer? What, what does this deer look like that's coming in right now? I would have told you it's a pretty wide deer. And I think he's got really tall brow kind. Like I, that's all I knew. That's all I knew. And he's coming in right to my tree, just like the other three bucks just had on that doe's hot, hot trail there. So I'm stood up, I've got my, you know, my phone recording on my bow. I'm ready to rock. He's walking right in on this trail. And again, he's coming in from upwind like the other deer did. And he's going to, he's coming right by me. At this point, he gets inside of 35 yards. So a distance where I would feel comfortable killing him, but he's coming in behind all this stuff. And then he kind of turns and starts to parallel me. And there's this very first gap, like a wide open gap where I can kill him. And, um, the footage is unbelievable, but he quite literally his nose, like I, I I'm, I'm staring at this tree and as he clears this tree is that's where I'm going to kill him. And as his nose and his ear and his eye and all that, like I see that his head just start to clear that tree. And then I just see his eye almost open wide and he just stops. And then all of a sudden he just starts bounding away. And he, 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 I don't know if the wind swirled. He, he was definitely should not have gotten my wind in that gap. Um, he didn't see me draw. I had good cover. It was, you know, he didn't hear anything. We had good wind cover. I watched him hit that scent and he didn't, he didn't stop long enough to, again, to figure out what it was. You can tell it was just a big old mature deer. I'm going to guess he's probably five. I think, um, he turned, so, so he hit that scent and he just immediately turned and probably took three or four big bounds and then just stopped and put on the brakes. And then he just kind of looked around, looked around, didn't really like put his nose up in the air to wind anything, but just, he knew that something was over there and he just, he took three or four bounds, stopped, looked around, didn't perceive any real threat, but again, just moseyed right up into the thicket, just like splitter and that doe had. And I'm so, so I had my phone recording and I'm so, 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 so glad I did because I've been able to share it with some buddies and like, you know, you always hear your buddy like, dude, I had a chance at a giant buck today. Um, but I've been able to kind of show my friends this year and it's kind of been a double-edged sword because it's been so cool to show that, to see the caliber of deer that I had a chance at. But, you know, we're talking about a, a mid one fifties, maybe higher uh, type deer that I had an opportunity at mid one fifties, nine point, um, that I had an opportunity at. And, you know, I, <laughs> I crossed every T dotted every I, I was ready to kill him. And as soon as he hit my gap, 
that shooting lane where I was going to kill him. I don't, again, I don't know if the wind swirled. I don't know what he, what happened, but as soon as his nose hit that gap, he didn't like something and he bounded and put, you know, a, enough yardage between him and I that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get a shot off and I wasn't about to force a shot on a deer like that. That, um, that encounter was at about 10 o'clock, right? That was at 8.42. Was it? Okay. I thought so it was, that was late eight, morning. Yeah, no, so that was at 8.42. Um, I know that because an hour later at 9.44, I got a picture of him on the other side of uh, the farm from where I was sitting when I when I had the encounter with him. So he had fed up into the thicket. He basically fed back through the food plot, through the CRP, and he was on the west edge of the property, kind of headed back towards all the ag, it looked like. Um but he stopped at, you know, a, a rub site and, um, you know, rubbed around and made a scrape and just checked that before he went over into that corn. But, um, and then after he went up into that thicket, I had two or three more young bucks come in, same behavior. They, they found that doe's hot trail, walked right to my tree, spun around, went right up into the thicket. And it was remarkable because literally I watched six bucks do the exact same thing. And it just like, it just, it's one of those encounters that just reminds you what November is like. You can be sitting there. I mean, Ryan, my buddy Ryan was sitting 250 yards from me on the other side of the property and didn't see a deer all morning. And I, here I am with a hot doe and six bucks two the two biggest bucks I've ever had a chance at, uh, or seen on the hoof. Uh, so it's just like, that's that, you know, we talk about it all the time, but that's what the rut's like. And that's, that's how November works. And you have a, you have a hot doe come through. It can change everything. And, um, you know, I've, I've recounted the, the situations in numerous times. I think there was a little gap, little window where I could have probably tried to kill splitter the first buck, but again, such an awesome deer. And I didn't want to force a shot on him. I've obviously replayed the video hundreds of times of this bucket. Um, the, the really big buck, uh, I've, I've replayed that video numerous times watching him come in, just trying to see where and how I could have maybe gotten a shot off on him. And I just couldn't. And, you know, the only thing I come up with after rewatching that video that many times, is he's just, he's an old smart deer and uh, the odds just, they weren't with me for some reason, the, the wind, the wind swirled or whatever, um, you know, the, the predominant wind direction was, was not there. So he should not have gotten my wind there, but for whatever reason he did. And, uh, he put enough distance between him between us that I couldn't, I couldn't get a, get a shot off on him. Um, and that was on November 13th and here in Michigan, the gun opener is on the 15th. So you can imagine my concern that, uh, that he wasn't going to live to see another day, but the picture that Nate was just referencing is I made it out and hunted tonight and pulled a card. Uh, I moved a camera to a new location on a rub line that I'd seen right at the end of the uh, bow season there. And on the 18th, I got this deer on camera. So he not only made it through opening day on the 15th, but he obviously made it through the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th as well. Here we are on the 21st. I, obviously, I don't know if he's still alive, but definitely uh, optimistic to know that he was still walking around on the 18th. Onyx is the number one GPS hunting app on the market. If you don't have Onyx, I would highly consider trying a free trial where you can get access to all 50 states and all of the mapping features and tools. Onyx allows you to send waypoints to your buddies, see public and private boundary lines, and see where you stand in live time. It also has a new weather feature that allows you to track weather and wind so you can stay on top of your game, literally. It's a no-brainer. If you go on your computer, not your mobile device, 
to onxmaps.com and use the promo code PaintedArrow, you will receive 20% off your elite or premium subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. There's nothing I like doing more than hunting elk in the western states. One of the main challenges of hunting big game species in western states is actually getting a tag. Furthermore, it's actually understanding each state's drawing systems, which can seem like a chore to figure out for beginners. Go Hunt is a company that has figured out how to simplify this obstacle for basic folk like you and me. Go Hunt offers a subscription service called the Insider, which gives you access to the most accurate draw odds, species breakdowns, and strategy articles out there. Before I started using Go Hunt, I would spend hours filing through kill harvest reports and data sheets looking for a good unit to hunt in. And using the Insider has streamlined this process, making it easier and more efficient than ever before. This has allowed me to find a place to go hunt, hence the name. Visit GoHunt.com to find out more and to start a free trial with the Insider subscription service. Shupex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan has been in the business of selling outdoor equipment for over 30 years. They have over 1,000 new and used guns and over 500 new bows for you to choose from. This family-owned and operated company goes above and beyond to make sure that you are taken care of when it comes to buying gear. Use the promo code PAINTEDARROW5 at the checkout and receive 5% off your entire purchase. Yes, that does include guns and bows, folks. Go down to Shupex today. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here staring at that picture, and you and I were really fortunate enough to be able to study the Holy Spirit, Buck, and, I mean, we analyzed pictures of him like you wouldn't believe, mm-hmm. and then got the opportunity to harvest him and measure him up, and, like, just just looking at this buck here, this nine point, I mean, you said it, like, the brow tines are just unbelievable, um... I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that this is easily a 19-inch spread buck that scores 150 with ease. Yeah, I think I think 60 is definitely pushing it, um, but I think he's into the 50s. And you know, <laughs> a 159 point, I will. <laughs> I'll do a lot of things to have an opportunity at a 159 point, man. I mean, so, yeah, just I mean. Like you said, you, it, 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 these, these mature deer, especially in the area that we live in, I mean, I mean the hunting pressure that, that this area gets and for a deer to live to be four or five years old, I mean, they, they don't, they don't get that way being dumb. And like you said, the wind was in your favor. The two other deer that were of amazing caliber, I'm sorry, one, but a doe just just ran in front of you and mm-hmm. this deer he just he i don't even it probably just just the ever so sudden scent of of something that he caught mm-hmm. and you said you saw it i mean you saw the video says it all but you saw his eyes and that tells even more that he didn't yeah i can't overstate that enough like i watched his eyeball like like almost get big. Like I almost, I watched the inquisitiveness in his eyes. Like he hit that scent and his eyes got big and he just, he just bounded, he just bounded, put probably 15, 20 yards between, uh, you know, him and I. And at that point he was, there was just, there wasn't a chance. He went from 
30 yards to 50, just like that. And, uh, but, you know, watching that frame walk away into that thicket in that moment, all I could think was, I am never going to see that deer again. Mm-hmm. I am never, ever going to have a chance at that deer again. And, and in leading up to the moment, like, I didn't know the caliber. Like I said, I, I, I did a good job of blinding myself from knowing the caliber of deer I was about to have an opportunity at. And, you know, I've, I've seen that, I've seen that same movie play out differently with, with, you know, racks ending up on the wall. So I know how narrow the margin of error is. And I know how easily that could have gone. Like if the wind did not swirl, I can say with confidence that deer would be dead. I was dialed in. I was ready to kill him in that gap. And he doesn't, that deer does not know how close he was to meeting, meeting his match. I was, I was dialed and ready. And, um, I am completely obsessed with that deer now. <laughs> I yeah. I just I hope I have an opportunity to see him maybe, you know, later into gun season here and maybe in late muzzleloader season. But you can bet that I'm going to be running cameras and running cameras and running cameras all you know winter into spring. Um, I'm going to be shed hunting my my ass off. T- tonight I actually had a relatively uneventful sit. Um. I mean, pulling that card was awesome, but saw only two deer, one yearling doe, and then a doe uh, all night. And so um, I spent a lot of time in the tree stand tonight just thinking about, okay, what are the things that I'm going to change next year? And I think this starts to get into a different podcast, but a lot of the things that I quote unquote figured out about this property last year, I think were very, very dependent on the fact that all of the ag to the west of me last year like we're talking about 300 acres of ag um all of that was beans last year and this year it's all corn and here we are on november 21st and it's still all standing so that has changed a lot i mean if you look at if you look at this caliber of deer and like nate said a four or five year old deer they don't get that old by being dumb and the minute gun season rolls around and people start shooting around if you're a deer and there's 300 acres of standing corn why would you go anywhere else? The does are going to be there. Your food's there and you have a real good cover. And so until that corn comes down and I don't know when that'll be, I think a lot of the, the mature deer are going to be over there. I see them coming out of the corn. That's where they're hitting my cameras, but they're, they're going and checking this thicket, this doe bedding area. And it, it's all, you know, flirting with daylight, but all, all, all mm-hmm. at nighttime. So they're smart. They're really, really smart. Um, but tonight was, a good sit from the standpoint of it allowed me to really think about something like I, the validation of, Hey, I found this rub line. I need to move a camera here, putting a camera there. The other thing I didn't even mention is not only did I get this, this buck on camera, which validated he was still alive on the 18th. I got four or five other bucks that I would be happy to shoot on camera as well. All working this same trail, showing a similar pattern of coming out of this, this bedding thicket, like, just before daybreak like early morning all coming the same direction so anytime like you can look at the data and start to recognize a pattern that that like light bulb moments for me okay i need to maybe move some stands here and let's start thinking about how we're going to access those stands to to get morning sits there um you know all this corn being standing has really you know created some some issues for me um and I was telling Nate earlier tonight, and again, I don't want to get too much into this because this is other podcasts, but I've thought a lot about some other pieces of the property where I could potentially put in some, some corn 
that uh, would not only help provide shielding from like the houses, but it would provide corn on the property that butts up to the thicket. And it would also give me an opportunity to hunt over a food source next to the thicket on an entirely different wind than I have the ability to hunt right now with where my food plot is. So I've got so many ideas and I am, I'm just, as much as this season's not over yet, I'm so excited to start prepping for next season just based on the amount of things I feel like I've already learned this season. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. That's, there's a lot of things. That, that's all I do when I'm hunting now is just look around and like, what can I do? Like, what, how can I move Sweet. that or what, what can be put there? Or, um, mm-hmm. There's, I don't know, there's a right and wrong way to do it. And that's, that's what I juggle with is the, you know, what is going to give you the best bang for your buck and what is feasible and what is not. And yeah, that's another podcast. I like that topic a lot, a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And then I guess the other thing I didn't even get to, you talked about on the court and off the court. So um, my son, my wife was pregnant with our first, our first child. My son was born um, <clears throat> on November 16th and he ended up coming five, five weeks early. So not only did he decide to come on the second day of gun season, but he, uh, he gave us a little bit of a scare with coming that early too. So, um, you know, my, the rest of my season is going to be really, really hit or miss. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited to spend time with this little guy. Um, but I think that's probably why I've already started to take in as much data as I have and start to analyze for next season. I think I still will make it out a handful more times. Um, but just we're so blessed to have him join us and be healthy. So that's, that's the other, the other piece of the puzzle here. Um, as far as, you know, my, my season here in November, which right. is, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that, I was able to kill that buck on the ninth with my bow and put some meat in the freezer and um very glad I did. So Yeah, I, I called Devin the other day and I told him I said, Hey man, you know, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is good luck or fate or whatever you want to call it, but your son was born on a day where you know, arguably the most doe across the country <laughs> are in estrus. So that that he's either gonna be a killer or he's he's either not gonna like hunting or is he gonna love it you never know but it's gonna be good it's gotta be good luck somehow right i think it's good luck yeah um i kind of after you you told your story there your update i kind of breezed like that miss i had on november 7th mm-hmm. i breezed through it because i didn't like talking about it but there's so many more details i could have added into that story but i it, it really tore me up you know what i mean um more than I guess I'm, um, revealing here, but yeah, I, I had an easy, easy shot and, uh, you know, completely blew it. And I I just, I was questioning my broadheads. I was questioning a lot of different things. And, um, I think I called you two days after that fact. I mean, we, we talked every day after that, but I, I remember calling you two days after that miss. So it was been November 9th and I was hunting really hard. I mean, I was hunting every single day, almost all day, um, pretty much throughout up to the 15th leading up to it, which is the opening mm-hmm. gun opener. And the only thing I can think of 
because I'm, I'm going to share this mess because I want other people to see it, like how close of an encounter it was. And just, I mean, the video quality, I think, is great. And it's a high a high caliber deer. I mean, a really beautiful Michigan eight point. I mean, I think he's probably 130 inch eight point or close to mm-hmm. it anyway. But um, the only thing that I can think of, because after the fact, I went and shot my bow and all the different broadheads and everything was flying true and. The only thing I can think of is that I, for some reason, thought that I dialed my bow and didn't because mm-hmm. I have a spot hog single pin. So that's the only thing that I can think of. I mean, again, if you were to ask me right now, how certain were you that you dialed your bow? I'd, I'd say I'm very certain. But that's like the only thing I can think of, like all the time in the world, easy shot. Like, I don't know that that's, that's what I'm choosing to believe at this point, because I went since then I've shot a doe with my bow and I mean, shooting really great. Um, I'm shooting great in practice. So anyway, that just, just to kind of, I didn't want to circle back to it, but it really tore me up and, um, I, I hunted really hard up until the 15th and on the morning of November 15th, me and my dad went out hunting, um, the night before he'd let me know he was coming out to hunt with me and I went out and hung a set at about one o'clock. So I hunted that morning. So the morning of the 14th got out of the woods and then I went and hung a set and I didn't hunt the evening of the 14th cause I wanted to kind of let it rest before the, the opening morning. And, um, and it was super windy too. So I hung a set planning to sit that place in the next morning because my dad was coming. I wanted him to sit where I was planning on sitting because back in the timber, I I just felt like there was going to be a lot more movement when the, when the gun started banging off. So we got up real early that morning and, um, you know, we, we parted ways. I got in my stand, he got in his and, um, about, about pretty, pretty much right away at first light, I had a two does, um, both mature does come right up right up to me i mean they had the the lead doe saw me right away and when i say saw me like hey that thing's not usually there what's that and just kind of like was trying to bust me kept stopping her feet you know like you know trying to catch me like doing that head bob thing where they just they they look away and then they snap their head back and they try and look at you and then they look away and they try and catch you moving she was like legitimately doing that for 30 minutes like no lie Mm -hmm. and i was just i was i was being a soldier just completely just completely containing myself not blinking not i mean like they were within 20 yards trying to bust me both of these deer and it was like this game for me you know like i was just like in my own world like i hadn't looked anywhere else like i was staring at these two doe in front of me for like 30 minutes starting like almost right away in the morning and i'm just like trying not to get busted first thing and have all these deer blowing and and messing up the morning for me so that was like my, I had like this game going with these two doe. It was the craziest thing. Long time, super long time. And they slowly, slowly start feeding kind of towards, slowly kind of just going up this trail, come kind of coming towards me, but kind of not going towards me, but completely checking me out still. And all of a sudden, um, where these doe had originally come from, a bunch of deer started just piling out of the CRP going into my neighbor's property. And then kind of, I thought was going towards my dad. And, um, I don't know, I think I counted like over 10 deer, just none of them were bucks that I could tell, but they were about 120 yards out, 115 yards, something like that. And, um, 
and I was like kind of shocked. I, I couldn't get my binoculars up, but I'm almost certain there was no bucks because it had been obvious. Just to, just the location they were in, I would have been able to tell. And um, these these two doe are still right in front of me. So a little bit of time goes by, maybe five minutes, maybe a little less, and then I see a buck coming right down to following this group of doe that had already went through in that same path. And, um, I could see it was a shooter buck right away. I couldn't tell how big it was cause I couldn't pull my binoculars up cause I got these two doe just staring at me still just like, and I'm in disbelief at this point of how long these doe were like giving my attention. You know what I mean? Like just a long time. And I see this buck. He's like, he's definitely like in between does, like running around frantic, like trying to find a doe. He can't see the two doe in front of me because they're behind some, you know, brush and, and I'm like, God, I got to do something here. Like, you know, I got to do something. I'm trying to figure, I can't, I can't reach for anything because these doe are in front of me. So I ended up just like mouth grunting at him. Like I had my, you know, my buff over my face and everything. So that was, I just, just made a decision to like, okay, this is a do or die situation here. So I just was like, with my mouth, just <laughs> two or, you know, like one or two times, something like that. And the doe, yeah. the, the, the does definitely hurt me, but the buck didn't like didn't lift his ears didn't didn't turn its head but it kind of paused but it didn't it didn't I couldn't tell exact I couldn't read the deer because I didn't have my binoculars up this deer ends up like basically going the the way it had just come so instead of following that the 10 group of doe that I'd already went through going that same direction no he went back the, the direction he'd just come from so my thought process was okay he's going downwind to come check out what the hell that noise was. And he's going to basically bust me. Right. Yeah. And I could just see a flicker of him kind of going to where I thought he was going to come downwind and check me out. And, um, five, five minutes go by. He comes back. I see this buck again, all of a sudden at the exact same spot where I just mouth grunted at him. And at this point I'm like, man, I got, I got to do something like this deer is interested. He's in between does and it's now or never, like I got to make something happen. So I just slowly reach for my grunt tube and I, you know, I, I rip on the grunt tube one time, like real good, real loud, like right at him. He's going to hear this like a low, like, you know, just a good, a good noise. And, uh, at this point, these doe couldn't tolerate me anymore. These two doers, like literally 10 yards in front of me, 10, 15 yards. And they run down this berm that they were on top of, that I was on top of and kind of run and make a bunch of noise. And this buck snaps his head over, sees these doe running, puts two and two together with the grunt that I made and just comes running right in. I mean, comes running right into these doe and, um, it was pretty incredible to watch, to be honest with you. And, um, at, he came into about 60 yards. And at this point I kind of changed my, I don't know why I did looking back. Like I should have, I should have, you know, like the merp sound we make like, burp, burp, like to get him to stop. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't make a, like a natural deer noise. Like I did the first time when I was like trying to call to him, I probably should have done that, but I made like a different noise. I was like, burp, burp, not like trying to stop him just naturally. Um, and he stopped and he stopped. And the only thing I could see was this, the tip of his nose and his butt. And he was right behind this walnut tree. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I'm literally like in my head, I'm cursing myself. Like God, he, the next move, just like you were telling me with your story, the next move he's going to make, he's going to be sprinting and I'm not going to get a shot here. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like kind of freaking out. And I had like, it was, a, it was a good pause where like I brought my gun up and I can, I got my crosshairs like on his nose and I got my rifle with me. I got my 450 and I got my, I got my crosshairs on his nose and like a good chunk of time went by where I like kept, I kept pulling my gun down and like looking at him. And then I put my eyes back up to the ga- to the glass and I look at him and I pull, ba- pull back down. And I did that like two or three times. And it, it was like a good pause where he didn't move at all. And then all of a sudden he starts running again. And, um, I just was like, rat, 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 you know, getting him, you know, just wanting him to stop. And he stops and I ended up shooting through some brush at like 55, 60 yards. And I definitely hit him and he kind of ran a little bit, went to 20, like ran 20 yards, probably a 70 yard shot now. And then I shot again and, um, I smoked him the second shot and he ended up running right into a big tree and just piled up within 40 yards of that. So that was a what pretty, day was that? that was the 15th. The 15th on the opener. Yep. And that was a pretty incredible hunt for me just because, I mean, it was, it was, this buck was definitely in between does and being at the right place at the right time and had, like, I had decoys in front of me and it, it just worked out so perfectly. And it was, uh, I was, I was really jacked up. I mean, I called you right away. I was pretty jacked up. Like, I, I didn't know which buck it was. You know, I got tabs on all the deer around here and, I wasn't quite sure which deer it was, and when I got up to it, I, I don't think it's a deer that I've really got on camera before, and I, I thought he was way bigger. I mean, when I shot, I was like, you know, thinking it was a, a, a way better deer than what it really was. It probably was only a two-and-a-half-year-old buck, um, mm-hmm. but still a super, I mean, beautiful deer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not happy or anything like that, but, um, man, it was an incredible morning. I had deer everywhere running around that morning. Yeah, and here we are getting into late November, and uh seems like things are starting to definitely slow down, you know, in terms of rut activity and so forth. But um, I was going to ask guess, you, what do you think the what do you think the phase that we're in in terms of the rut and whitetail deer? What, what do you think we're we're at? I think uh, I think some of the bigger bucks will still be trying to find does that'll tolerate you know, continuing to breed. Um, there's a line of thinking that says some of the younger does are going to come into estrus later. So there's kind of a, a short lived quote unquote, secret second rut type deal. Um, but I think by and large, they're going to, uh, really start before too long here, start focusing on food again. And that's kind of where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out when they're going to cut all this corn to the West of me, because when they do, um, I think a lot of those deer will be retreating to the woods and right off the corner of the corn there, which is kind of where I'm set up. So they get pushed out of that corn and come piling into my food plot and my thicket. I'll be sitting there waiting. That's for sure. I'm willing to, uh, I, I, I'm almost certain you're going to get another look at a good buck just the way your property lays out. I, you know, I, I don't have really, really, really thick cover. I think that, to I guess reverse the question to me, I don't really know um, just because I, I only hunt. I hunt CRP and I hunt public land, and I I have a good judgment, I feel like, but I, I think that we're the, the lockdown is over. I think, we're, I think we're past that. Maybe there's still mm-hmm. some deer. I think there are. 
the, the majority of the the does have been bred, but there are those stragglers. I, that, that's what I think. I think the, this year, early October, was super hot. I mean, the, the sign making was just unreal where I am. Um, the running and running around was just, I think it was earlier than normal. And I think that we're past the, the lockdown personally. Um, and I think that the, the cover, like thick cover, that, that's where these bigger bucks are right now. Swamp areas, um, thickets. But I don't think they're really hanging out in these open areas that I'm, I'm hunting right now, like in CRP fields. Like There's definitely areas where deer bed, but I don't think mature bucks are really... I think all mature bucks right now are in some type of thick cover, spending the majority of their daytime activity. And that's why I think you are going to get another awesome opportunity to buck because... Just like last year, you shot an awesome one. Was it a year ago today? Year ago today, yep. You shot that awesome buck. I don't think you have a name for it, but um, that that's your biggest buck today. And these these deer know. I mean, they they know. You definitely have the corn issue. There's no doubt. But that corn's got to come out eventually. They're not going to leave it in there. I mean, I've never seen corn in the field in December. Have you? Yeah, I mean, previously, there's been years where they left the corn up into December here, which is why I'm trying to kind of figure out how to combat that during corn years um, with potentially adding some corn, my, not, you know, myself. Um, I think it'll add, like I said, additional cover and food source, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, 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 as soon as they get that stuff out of there, I mean, I'm talking about 300 acres of cover that's just gone. And then that's going to push them into this thicket and swamp which my, you know, my, my food plot, my green food plot sets up kind of in the middle of that. So with them already starting to transition back to looking for food, plus losing a whole bunch of cover, whenever that corn comes down, I think that'll, that'll lend itself nicely to a, to a late season hunt or a muzzleloader hunt or something. So yeah, I'll try to try to stay after it, pick, pick good days to be out there. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but uh, I'm going to keep running cameras and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully either shoot that buck or, uh, Hopefully he makes it through to next year and we can get a, get a shot at him, but we'll see. I, for some reason, think that you got the curiosity of that deer. Just the fact that you've never seen him before. He came in that one day, you had the encounter, and then you got pictures of him going in and out during, you know, flirting with daylight in the mornings and evenings. I just mm-hmm. feel, I, I don't know, have this, like, this hunch that he's just, like, super intrigued with this little honey bed little of... micro plot. Yeah, like this this thing that you've created there and kind of kept primed. I, I don't know. I, I just think that if, if you just get another opportunity at seeing that deer, I'm going to be, I'm going to be freaking out. Just the fact that you, you got to look at him. See him twice. Yeah. If I even see him another time, that's a good point. If I even see him another time, that's a win. Um, yeah. You know, looking back to the encounter, had I, had it been two days later during gun season, he'd have been dead because you know, the way that he was coming in, I would have been able to kill him with a gun, but, yeah, he's it doing, is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't. Sorry to cut you off there. No, I was just saying. That, I mean, somebody who might be listening, like you, you have tabs on your property pretty well, and I think we could both agree that he's not. He he wasn't around this whole beginning of the year into the summer or anything. I don't think he was around at all. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I, w- I still don't have good locations for summertime photos. I'm still tweaking that uh, in terms of where they kind of how they use my property during the winter or during the summer. Um, but I've got a buddy that uh, that's got a property 
you know, over a mile from here that actually has a picture of that same deer. So he's well-traveled. Uh, that good buck I shot last year had, had hooves on him. It looked like he was running down the asphalt a whole bunch too. So these deer travel, travel this travel this river bottom a lot and they're crossing a lot of roads. So, yeah. Um, not uncommon for this time of year, but like you said, just, just going to stay after it, be patient, play the, play the wind right. And, uh, you know, hopefully play it, play it smart when that corn comes down and it might, might present an opportunity. Who knows? All right. So my closing thought, um, if you're still buckless, there's still a lot of good hunting left. I mean, there really is. Um, I'm, I've been hunting down in Ohio, um, on some public, their gun opener is not until the 29th. And I've been down there seeing some good deer activity. And I think that, um, I think there's still a lot of, a lot of good hunting to be had. So if you have not, and you're buckless still, it only takes, it only takes one, one day, one moment and everything can change. So you have to, you have to hold on to that and, and just continue to be excellent with your approach, with the wind, with your scent, with all of those things. You have to continue to do that. And good things, I think, um, will happen. That's my closing thought. I don't know if you got anything or not. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my closing thought's going to be, you know, stay in the pocket. Um, it's, I can't, it can't say the hunting is going to get better from here. But like you said, there, there's still a lot of really good hunting to be had. And, you know, all it takes is one, you know, late hot doe or, or something as simple as a combine, you know, getting rid of a bunch of cover and food to, to really turn these deer on their heads and, um, you know, shake things up and you just got to be sitting there waiting when that happens. And, uh, if you're not, not in the stand, you won't see them. So, you know, to the extent that you can stay after it. And, uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, like you said, there's still, there's still more to be had. So I wouldn't give up yet. Alrighty. Uh, folks painted arrow outdoors.com. You can uh, contact us there or on social media. Uh, we will be, I'm going to be posting that video, I think, with this when we release it, the one that I missed. I want some, uh, I want people to criticize me. I want to, I want to get better for next time. So I'm going to post that. And um, yeah, we would love to uh, hear your thoughts on any of these podcasts that we put out. So we appreciate it, everyone. And we will talk to you next time. See ya. See ya. Thank you.